This is the Data Privacy Detective. Well, Happy New Year 2022. This is the first podcast of uh, a new year putting 2021 behind us for a lot of good reasons. Best wishes to everybody. And we're going to continue our global tour about data localization. With me is my colleague who's a licensed attorney both in Japan and New York and Washington, D.C., Yugo Nagashima. Uh, well, happy New Year to you, Yugo. Thanks for staying on our tour. Happy New Year, Joe. <laughs> well, today we're going to look at Turkey. Uh, now, what an interesting country to be talking about. Uh, Turkey, uh, both European and Asian, uh, uh, large Muslim population, uh, been applying for decades now to join the European Union, and yet very much its own separate country and issues of uh, uh, how authoritarian or democratic the country is, uh, you know, a lot to talk about. Very interesting country and very different from China with a huge market and clout and so on, or, or Russia and India, which take a, a pretty tough attitude towards data localization. Some call it data nationalization, which is a whole idea that the data of one's residents and citizens, in a way, has to be kept within the country. Uh, based on uh, the particular laws adopted by the country, rather than globally shared with uh, tech uh, processors and controllers and sellers of goods and services. And so, and so rather than that approach, we're going to look at Turkey and, and see, well, what, what, what model is it following? And in general, you go, what, what have you found? What, what, uh, what's uh, Turkey's approach to data privacy? What's it like? So it's a combination of a overarching uh, data protection law, like the GDPR, but not quite, and with sectorial limits, where, which has data residency or data localization requirements. And Turkey also actually has privacy in its constitution, Article 20. Uh, it, it, it has, it goes back uh, some, some ways, the privacy of personal life, which is, is not so much dealing with uh, globalized, globalization issues as the balance between personal privacy and what a government even and what other people can do to invade one's personal uh, life. So it's a very interesting country that I've, and you say it's GDPR-like, but, uh, but not identical. And so what, what are some of the similarities and differences of the basic data privacy law of Turkey? So the current Turkish uh, data protection law, which is a law on the protection of personal data, is much more similar to the data protection directive uh, in that um, you, you do have to uh, get consent and there are certain requirements for um, protecting data. Uh, for example, you know you have to tell what, what you're collecting, but it's not as up-to-date similar to the GDPR or some of the new laws that we've seen, uh, for example, PIPO in China. So it's it's the older version of the GDPR, uh, the uh, Data Protection Directive. And if you know some of the rules on that, uh, the same thing can be said. So you might find a, a somewhat similar approach. Comprehensive, not just focused on a couple of industries. It's an overarching law protecting personal data uh, to the extent it does so. And there is an authority, it's uh, the initials often used are KVKK, that's the Turkish uh, for data, the Personal Data Protection Authority. And, and indeed, it has uh, regulations that it's been issuing over the years to, to uh, beef up uh, what the uh, basic law says. So 
very similar in a way, uh, but different uh, from uh, uh, GDPR. For example, uh, G GDPR uh, uh, has a territorial scope defined, but the Turkish law does not. Uh, and so the Turkish law will apply to any natural or legal person who's processing Turkish originated data. And that's what data localization is about. Something about a Turkish citizen or resident is personal data. And is it allowed to be exported out of the country and by whom and on what terms? So turning to that, what is there an overarching law on cross-border data transfers, Hugo, or how, how is Turkey approaching this? So that part is more sectorial. And what we mean by that is there is no overarching rule for cross-border data transfers yet. Uh, but there are laws, especially in the banking field, there are some regulations being proposed in the, in the national security field, similar to China and Russia. Uh, but what we see today is a lot more of control over the financial sectors, especially in the banking and financial regulations. Well, let's take uh, let's take banking, which is a very parochial matter in almost all countries. The control of banks is critical to a country's ability to run its economy and process money and so on. And particularly important to Turkey with a over 30% devaluation of its currency in the recent past. So banking control is essential for any country. And, and so what, uh, what, what can a Turkish bank do? And then foreign banks that are operating in, in Turkey, can they transfer financial data outside the country? Uh, what are the rules? So they can, but uh, it is difficult in that um, first, uh, the banking regulations and laws require that the primary and the secondary systems that hold the banking data must be stored in Turkey. So, which means you have to have the main primary server that actually does the transaction and the backup of that transaction must be in Turkey. And if you make an additional system, so a third tertiary system, then you may be able to transfer, but it would increase the cost uh, for any banks that are trying to transact in Turkey. And if you have- So, so bank, global banks, yeah. for example, that uh, want to operate in Turkey, maybe allow deposits or make loans and so on, they would have to have a Turkish server. They'd have to be registered with the Turkish government. At, uh, That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. And we'll see if cryptocurrency laws are going to apply separate issue. We won't get into that today, but th this is part of the problem of- uh, of financial flows that are very global, trillions of dollars uh, equivalents uh, sloshing about in the world every day. So Turkey's saying, wait a minute, you got to keep the basic information about Turkish banking transactions in Turkey. And under certain rules, then a more global bank can connect, but it will be subject to the Turkish rules. So that's data localization allowing, though, processors and others to uh, to be involved in, in banking transactions. Is that about the essence of it? That's right. Okay. How about other things? How about social network uh, information? Uh, can so, a social network provider uh, outside of Turkey just to go ahead and let Turkish citizens come in and do whatever they want to do and export their information uh, all over the world? So social media is another aspect where there is a sectorial regulation in which uh, the personal data collected of Turkish citizens must be kept in Turkey. And the requirement just doesn't stop there. It requires any social media company that collects information on Turkish citizens 
to report uh, twice a year, every six months, to a Turkish authority called the uh, Information and Communication Technologies Authority. So this is an example where Turkey is, the Turkish government is monitoring the social network exchanges and certainly social media is very important to uh, any country, whether it's uh, January 6 issues in the United States or Tiananmen Square in China or whatever it is, social media. And certainly there was a not so long ago coup attempt in Turkey. So one can understand why the current administration is very concerned about the flow of such information. And so you're saying the Turkish approach is to control that, not, not block it completely, but uh, get reports on it regularly and be able to insist that a, a non-Turkish social network provider is gonna have to abide by Turkish rules. Is that uh, what's going on? That's right. Uh, I would say it's similar to how Russia and China is approaching it in that um, social media is specifically targeted by these sectoral rules to keep the data in Turkey and also not only that, share it or at least report what's going on. And we've seen similar schemes in, in, the, in the Russia and China episodes. Now, there, as you, as you mentioned, uh, the Turkish law is uh, somewhat similar to an older model of what the European Union did before GDPR became binding law throughout the European Union. And so are there proposed laws being uh, discussed now in the Turkish uh, legislative system that will, will affect data localization and the ability of globalization or prevention of the globalization of data transfers? What, what, what are we seeing? So there is a proposed amendment, uh, which was uh, proposed by the uh, Turkish authority, uh, KVKK, back in August of last year. And it proposes uh, an amendment to actually Article 9, which is the uh, cross-border data transfer aspect of it. And what, how would it change it? What, what, what is the authority proposing? So the overall structure is going to be much more like GDPR in that uh, I think data transfers will be uh, more possible. So the current strict regulations will be relaxed. Uh, and how it will achieve it is very similar to what we see with the GDPR, which is um, as long as you have adequacy concept. That's the overarching frame. Let's go back to adequacy. But so uh, similar to GDPR, if the data controller, for example, uh, uh, wants to be able to uh, export within the data controller system, multinational company. Uh, it could do that by notifying the Turkish authority with a standard undertaking. Uh, for example, right. there will be similarly binding corporate rules uh, if this amendment uh, goes through uh, that one could choose as an approach for a, a data transfer, this, this sort of thing. And then you mentioned adequacy. And this is interesting. I've, I've heard that Turkey is thinking of adding not just adequacy, but reciprocity. Now, <laughs> what is that about? So reciprocity is the concept of if you approve my, if you allow my country's companies to basically have cross-border data flow to your country or from your country to my country, uh, we will allow you to same concept. Um, and it, it's a unique approach because it's, it's not quite as similar as what we discussed in the Singapore episode where it was more of as long as the, the third country has the same adequacy, same protection of, of data for its citizens in Singapore in another country, you're good. Here they're saying, 
if you approve mine, I approve yours. Um, so it's, it's kind of tit for tat. Uh, I scratch, <laughs> you scratch mine. That's how I'm seeing it. Uh, and it's, it's a unique approach, uh, which I, we haven't seen in earlier episodes. No such thing with GDPR, where the question is, uh, is the other country adequately similar to GDPR that we can trust it to uh, protect uh, personal data? And uh, some countries qualify and others uh, other, others don't. Uh, but Turkey's added this layer of reciprocity. We'll see how that all works out. And, and the authority would decide whether a country is reciprocal. This would be very difficult, wouldn't it, with the United States or uh, uh, Canada, where you have a mix of provincial and federal legislation. Certainly in the U.S. currently no overarching data transfer rules on a federal basis and maybe even on a state basis. So it'd be hard ever to say the United States is reciprocal, absent a, a clear federal overarching law. So this will be very challenging how it would work out in, in, in practice. I agree. Unless there's a federal law, um, it would be difficult for the Turkish authorities to say, well, CCPA, okay, you reciprocate, you're good to go. But let's say... Um, New York, which still doesn't have a comprehensive law. It's like, well, you don't have even a data protection law that's comprehensive. So how can we approve you? And of course, companies in the United States, if they typically operate in New York, they're going to operate in California. Um, how are you going to do business? Are you kicked off? Are you not allowed to do business? It, it does raise a lot of questions uh, with, with the approach that Turkey is taking. Um, and of course, I mean, that can be said with uh, GDPR type rules too, where there, when there's no comprehensive laws in every state of the United States that has a, a basic minimum, you know, how can we ever be, um, you know, adequate in every state as a, as a nation? So that does hopefully, uh, if any legislators are listening, you know, a federal uh, privacy law might help the United States a lot. And for uh, any uh, multinational company that is, is interested in, in, in being involved seriously in the Turkish market, of course, an approach would be to create a, a Turkish subsidiary that's governed by Turkish law, get the information there, and then use uh, the intercompany rules that we've already discussed. Uh, and that, that's an example of why a country uh, might adopt data localization rules to encourage businesses to locate a server and a presence and a comply with their laws. Of course, uh, that leaves the problem of the localization of data. I mean, what if uh, one country says, well, I'm sorry, you can't do X, and the other country says, you must do X, and uh, <laughs> how do you comply with both laws? But that's, uh, uh, that's what we're dealing with here, with data localization and the globalization of data that in an instant can be everywhere in the world. Any uh, including thoughts then, <laughs> excuse me, about uh, Turkey, Hugo, uh, and data localization? So again, the amendment definitely suggests that Turkey is going to relax its strict rules. Um, and as you pointed out at the very beginning of the episode, uh, Turkey does want to um, join the EU. There, there's still that hope. Uh, and Turkey and the EU, you know, very close in proximity, uh, share some history. So we will see, I think, more of Turkey going towards the GDPR. Uh, you know, as long as you have adequacy, uh, more of a free flow of data rather than Turkey turning towards, you know, let's localize everything 
ideas. So again, Turkey, if we were to put it on a scale that we usually do towards the end of the episodes, uh, I think it stands right in the middle between uh, you know, the United States and Singapore on the far one end, and then China and Russia on the other end. It's right in the middle, but moving more towards Europe, which is also in the middle, but a little bit more towards the U.S. So if we think of Turkey as a as Janus, the two-faced god, uh, you're saying by and large they're looking west at this yes. point. And we'll see where it all ends up. Of course, it never ends up. It's just a matter of managing data and privacy and the life of all of us. Well, I'll close uh, this episode as I always do. Remember, protecting your personal data begins with you.